Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm your host Ryan, which is a weird state of role reversal because Chris, who said he wasn't wasn't going to be on, is actually here. So this week I'm joined by Chris. Hello, I was um, rescuing my fence in this wind. How's yours? Uh, terrible, absolutely awful. Is is yours actually up though? Because mine's not. Mine's on the floor again. Very smugly. Um, yes, it is. I've done about three years of sort of DIY as various fences have blown down, and I've got sort of various stakes in place and. Uh, it's standing up very well so far. I say that so far, but you know, I could I was get say, to the, the wind here. <laughs> yeah, as I say, the wind here will probably carry on, and it will mm. probably get even worse. And we're also joined by Jesse. My fence is great, mostly because I don't have one. Yeah, but the rest of your like city isn't, though, is it? No, that is true. We're under um, today. They're calling it a bomb cyclone. I love Which that. I love the fact that there's, there's a thing they call a bomb. We just we just call our storms by funny names, and that's like your recent thing, isn't it? This one yeah. was called Eleanor, which I think is a lot friendlier than bombs. I don't think we should be calling anything bomb that isn't a bomb. But you know, I guess that's, that's really di- like difficult because if you're on the subway or something, and you, you know you're talking to someone about the weather and you say something about a like bomb cyclone, do you think people are going to give you a really weird look if they don't hear you properly? Well, I mean. We also have something called, if you see something, say something. So I think if you're on the subway and you say something about a bomb, chances are somebody's going to call in the cops and, you know, you're not going to get to work on time. Excellent. And we've also got Justin, who's also having some snow-related issues. Hello. Yes, ours passed through last night. We got about an inch. It's it's not very dramatic, but, of course, the thing in the south is we haven't got the equipment to clear the roads, and so just a little bit of snow can, can shut everything down. Which for me it has, um, so I'm uh, I'm I'm home on the on the sofa all day. So you're gonna put your feet up, relax. Yep. How's all Martin's right, fence? Uh, how's Martin's fence? Uh, I don't know actually. I haven't I haven't checked. You know, I was can hoping. We, you... Can we patch him in? Should we just? Oh, he, oh, you know what? I just asked him. He says he's really busy. Oh, oh. damn it! Oh, pants on that one. You. <laughs> <laughs> what did he get you for Christmas? What did he get me for Christmas? Uh, loads of different little things, actually. Um, oh, that's sort of nice. Well, he got, got, me, got me some board games, and I'll, I'll do like a board game me. Okay, but more importantly, what did you get him? What did I get him? Uh, I got him some Game of Thrones stuff. So he can put he can put like a Game of... I don't know if any of you watch Game of Thrones, but he's got a House Lannister, I think, uh, emblem that he can put on his wall. What What are we going to get, Martin? I don't know. I think you'll have to speak to him next time. Next time you speak to him, Jesse, because you know it sounds like you're best friends by the sounds of it. I mean, we have a pretty great relationship. Okay, cool. Good to yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Wow. So yeah, this is this is weird, Chris. How does it feel to be on the other end of the microphone, even though uh, you're technically probably in the same place? Very relaxing. Very relaxing. Mm. Well, the thing is, now we have to hear your opinions. Um, whatever Justin says. <laughs> it's a good cop hat. I like that. So this week we're going to be talking about all the Premier League action from the week, uh, the FA Cup games coming up at the weekend, and anything in between. So we'll start off on Monday night, because I thought the best way to do it would be logically and chronologically. Uh, Everton, Manchester United. Uh, great goals from Martial and Lingard uh, gave them the win against Everton. Uh, in, Lingard's looking like a bit of a good impact sub at the moment, isn't he? He's player of the month, isn't he? Um, has he won it for December? Yeah, is he player of the month for Manchester United, though, isn't he? It's not player of the month oh, for Oh, is it? For Manchester yeah, United. I think he's... Yeah, so all the Man United fans voted for him, which he, he's been very, very good this month. Lots of goals, lots of assists. And, you know, considering that he's not started that many, as far as I'm aware, he's sort of been uh, coming on in games to help them out. He's definitely looking like a very good impact sub. Can I suggest uh, he's possibly the only player that Manchester United that Jose Mourinho has improved? That's, I think that's a fair, fair comment. I mean, do we not think... I mean, I, I suppose the De Gea has always been good, but do we not think that De Gea has improved? Well, I think that's the question is whether they would have improved anyway. Um, and, and again, I think that's impossible to to figure out. But I think that there are other players like Rashford, like Kennedy, who maybe suffered under. Well, I think a lot of people suffer under. He's been giving a. Oh, no. The snow got in your telegraph wire. I know it said it said something weird. When I, was, was, uh, I was just talking about Martin. I mean, oh. Martin, um, I don't know. I don't know what you heard. So you know, I won't repeat myself. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> we heard you saying something about Mourinho and whether you think any of them, whether he has improved anyone. But then you know, I, I, to be honest, I thought half thought something had happened in the Tottenham game, and you were just muting yourself because you were screaming. No, it's. It's halftime. No, it, it it did boop boop boop, and then it said connection is poor, reconnecting, and I and I don't have an IT guy that I call to fix that. So wow, okay, well, wow, rude. Because wow, okay. you were on the other end of the line, you were there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so this would have happened with Chris hosting. That's true. No. <laughs> oh, you were top of my Christmas <laughs> no, card no, list. No. Sorry, um, right? <laughs> I ruined it. I, yeah, I'm fine. Fine. <laughs> Next up for United is Derby in the FA Cup. Uh, they last faced each other actually in the fourth round of the FA Cup in 2016. Is this an easy United victory? No. <laughs> Simple yet effective. <clears throat> I don't think it is. I think Gary Rowett is a very, very good manager. Um, and I think Derby are second or third in the championship. Um <laughs> So I don't think it's going to be easy for United at all. I think the only thing that is in United, or one of the many things in United favour, probably the main thing, is the loss to Bristol City. I don't think Mourinho will want to go through that again against a lower league team, particularly at home. No, I think you're right. Uh, they're, they're definitely, they would desperately be looking to avoid any upset again, um, all things considered. Um, but for good old Everton, Chris, are you excited for this one? They have got Liverpool yeah. in the next round of the FA Cup. But we got no Coutinho and no Salah. Oh, so you're getting your excuses in early. Well, <laughs> well they've Say not... Everything's going to be fine. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> Say Nothing it. can go wrong now. <laughs> well, I mean, Everton you, sort of win you know this in also... four. Hmm? 
No, sorry, Ryan, go ahead. I was going to say, Everton are winless in four. Um, Liverpool are undefeated in 13. Um, you know, so... And they beat Burnley, obviously, in, in the week. So, it all signs point to Liverpool winning there, doesn't it? Um, You would have thought so, but this is the magic <laughs> of the cup and all that. Uh, Everton haven't won at the Coliseum since 1999, and I don't think they've beaten Liverpool since 2010. I think it was Tim Cahill who scored the winner there. Um... But this is a different beast of Everton under Sam Allardyce. And I think they might have um, Kink Tosin available after his transfer as well. And he looks a very, very good player. So I'm not taking anything for granted, although nothing can go wrong now. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say before, Justin? Sorry. Um, well, you know, no Coutinho, no Salah, but they didn't midweek either. And although it was obviously a very late winner, that's still a good result. Um, you know. Burnley have obviously been a, a tough out this season yeah. so far. And, and so, um, and, and if you look at Everton's performance in that cup game against Manchester United, there's, there's just very little threat in that side right now. Um, you, you can see that, that Big Sam's first priority was to tighten things up and get them in a system. Um, and, and he's done that. But the next step is, is making them a dangerous side. Uh, rather than just a side that are difficult to play against, difficult to get a result against, and uh, I don't know how much he can do without without you know some some January additions uh, to to change that dynamic. So you know when when we see Liverpool without Coutinho or Salah, those are two very big misses. But Everton haven't got anyone in their squad even remotely of that that ability, um, and and. So, so it's, I don't see anything but Liverpool progressing. I think the the other thing about Liverpool is the depth of their bench compared to Everton and to a lot of other people. I mean, you know, when you have Clavan, whose name I'm just apologize to everyone for pronouncing <laughs> wrong, but Clavan. I don't know. I needed I need an accent marker. I'm not I was going to say it's it's going to be Ragnar Clavan. You, that there you're you going to be the one accused of mispronouncing a name. I know. I just know I'm not doing it well, but. Um, you know, when you when when that's who you've got scoring a late winner, you know, you know you got people who can come in and and yes, you're missing Coutinho, but you've got a backup Brazilian in Firmino, and I you know that's that's pretty impressive that you can pull in people like that when you're missing um, somebody like Salah, who yes is having a season to remember. I think the thing with the Burnley game the other day is we lost there last season having had something like 80-odd percent of possession and to take the lead and then concede and after, what was it, 75, 80 minutes we conceded? I think it shows a lot about Liverpool at the moment that um, they didn't crumble and they managed to uh, not only uh, not not lose the game but they also managed to win the game as well. So it shows the sort of good place that they're in at the moment. Well, yeah, just, and, then, and then the other the other thing about that the Merseyside derby is that the dynamic psychologically is very poor for Everton. Uh, there there have been years, I mean, recent years, where Liverpool obviously finished above Everton forever. But there's been some spells in recent years where Everton came into that into the derby in in good form, Liverpool not so, and it didn't matter. Liverpool still get the results. Uh, there have been some draws that I know Liverpool must be still disappointed in, in, in drawing the league game at Anfield earlier this season that where they were dominant throughout. But um, Everton don't seem to be able to get over the hump in terms of, of, of winning one. Um, I just had a tweet favorited by former Leicester City defender Matt Elliott. 
It's not bad. What, what Justin, tell him, tell him what you said about tweets being favorite. No, I know. I didn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was not going to say that. I wasn't going to say that. Um, uh, Leicester City tweeted a picture of, um, uh, of the, oh, it tweeted a quote from Matt Elliott and it tweeted a picture from him and I replied saying that's Eminem isn't it and he's uh, favourited it it does look like Eminem in this picture actually <laughs> I also got one favourited the other day by former Leicester City legend Lee Philpot as well so, or um, anything about Leicester wow, are you a Leicester fan? I know <laughs> well I'm, I'm from there so I used to go watch them quite a lot in the 90s and no- oh, early noughties so yeah getting tweets favourited by them is pretty cool I'm just favoring the fact that you called it early naughties. That's now going to be my favorite thing to call that. Weird I thought that was an official term, decade. wasn't it? It is. is the it? naughties. Yeah, mm. the naughties. Zero zeros. Yeah. You need a really camp friend to say it properly, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, in the other games uh, on Monday were Brighton drew with Bournemouth 2-2, Stoke lost 1-0 at home to Newcastle, and Leicester cruised to a 3-0 victory over Huddersfield. Were any surprises there for any of you? I know we're going to want to talk about Leicester. Can we just talk about my Brighton, Hove Albion, Seagulls? Can we for like a hot second? You, you, uh, this is the second time today I've heard you say hot second. Did I, I say that before? I don't understand. What do you mean? What is a hot second? <laughs> it's, a, it's a ridiculous phrase that now that you've said I said twice, I'm going to have to stop using. So if I say <laughs> it again, just like yell or, you know. I don't know, I'll snap like a rubber band on my wrist or something to make me stop saying it. Okay. Um, you talk to us like beloved seagulls. Well, okay, so my, um, my this is therapy session now, my mom's ex-boyfriend was one of my closest friends. Um, yeah, so my, before, my, <laughs> before my mom married my father, she was dating this wonderful man named Andy, and he and his wife um, live in... Hastings and I love them and I go to stay with them whenever I'm in England and they're terrific and Andy has been a Brighton fan since he was like 10 um and so since I can remember um I don't know I've known about Brighton and Andy has been sending me all kinds of ridiculous Brighton things since I was a little girl um and the the very first time, like the the first thing that I successfully knitted that didn't look like an octopus mitten was a blue and white scarf for Andy for for the Seagulls when they got their new stadium because it was like an actual rectangular object that could be worn successfully as a scarf. Um, anyway, so yeah, they are, and I and I wrote an article about them for um, unusual efforts and got to interview Andy about his lifelong obsession and and fandom. So I like the, the subtle plug in there up. as well. There's really my plug. Impressive. My yeah, nice little Thank plug you. there. Um, yeah. <laughs> So I'm just really, I'm excited and impressed. And I just, I have like a massive, just like stupid person crush on Bruno because he's a thousand years old and has this weird pirate beard and, and just <laughs> plays like an idiot. And I love him. I how think Bri- they're great. How Bri- uh, Brighton didn't win that game is beyond me because they had several chances to, um, yes. to put it away. I can't remember that it's the Colombian fella's name. He's got lots of Z's and a Q and I think, I can't remember his name, but he certainly had a... <laughs> it's, it's Quido. That's you, man. Yeah, he said he certainly had a chance to. Is that how you say it, Jesse? It's not, but now it is. <laughs> he certainly had a couple of chances to score. Um, and with the chances they created, and in this league, if you get those sorts of chances, they're what you've got to put away. There, you know, those two points dropped could be a big difference come the end of the season. 
Yes, but if you look at the, where they were at the beginning of this season, where they were so reliant on one or two players, there is no way that, A, they would have created... The players that created those chances would not have been the players to create the chances, if that makes sense. Um, and it would not have been this team-style play. So I do think that they've come a long way, and I only see them, if not... I, I do see that they've adjusted really well to the style of play that, you know, a top level team needs to needs to play at. I don't so, think no, I don't think they're gonna have a Leicester style, you know, from last season, but I but I do think that they've they've been pretty successful for, for where they've come from. I don't think Glenn Murray is a Premier League striker. He's an excellent championship striker, but I don't think he's a Premier League striker. I think that they need to buy somebody this month to play up front that could um get them a few more goals to help get them over the line. I think though with the injury, like I, I, I agree with you. I don't want to agree with you, but I agree with you. But I think <laughs> that uh, you know, they do still they do still have some injuries that that are like upsettingly long lasting. And so once they come back, we'll we'll see them at a hundred percent and where that where that takes them. Yeah, I, think, I think I think attacking talent and goal scorers are are so valued that. Um, you know, the newly promoted sides very often don't have Premier League caliber in those positions because if they did, they'd already been bought. Um, yeah. And so they, t- they tend to come up with just lacking a little bit in that department um, when, they, when they get against Premier League sides and Premier League defenses. And, and so you, you frequently see that what they have just isn't quite good enough. Mm. I mean, even... even Burnley now in their relatively lofty position in the table. If you look at the goal scoring record, that is unbelievably bad. I mean, it's it's they're overperforming by an enormous amount to be where they are in the table. I think they've. Uh, I, I'm going to say this wrong now, but I think they've played 22, scored 19, something like that. Um, so fewer than a goal a game, and yet they're in the top half of the table. That's that's not something that can last. I, I, they're, they've accumulated enough points and enough good feelings, and they're not going to be in danger of the drop, but. I don't see how they can stay anywhere near where they are on the table. And then, you, so as you're saying about Brighton, Chris, it's just really maybe just not quite enough, enough up front. The, right weird thing with, the weird thing with Burnley is, is they also concede a lot of shots on goal as well. Yeah, that's but, why, you know, if you, if you talk to the, uh, you know, the XG people, they'll say that right now they're, they're, they're vastly overperforming at both ends of the pitch based on how they should be doing and that 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 is not sustainable that a 38 game season will you will settle into where you should be and so that doesn't bode well for them in terms of chances created or allowed you say about the the shots uh conceded but i think that it's sort of a really good thing about how good i think tom heaton played at the start of the season and, and how well nick pope has done uh, since coming into the team. I mean, I've got him in my fantasy team and he always seems to bag me quite a lot of points just because he makes a lot of saves. Obviously, they can see a lot of shots, but he's you know, he, he's kept them in a lot of games. Those are two good goalkeepers. I think everyone knew Tom Heaton was going to be a good goalkeeper, but you never know when somebody like Nick Pope gets thrust into the position. He's done very well. Yeah, future international? Could be. Could be. Cool. Uh, so, let's, uh, Jesse, you said something about uh, we obviously need to talk about Leicester winning three 0 against Huddersfield. What you got? Oh, I thought Chris was going to jump in there because it's oh, Leicester. I thought he had a tweet. Oh, 
you know, he's tweeted about something. He's been favourited by a former Leicester legend oh, or anything like that. I'm surprised he's still speaking to us. Do we think that Riyad Mahrez is going gonna, is gonna to stay? I mean, he's got blonde hair and a, and a great track record this season, so... Well, football manager 18, um, I am currently in control of Leicester City. I've just sold Riyad Mahrez and I brought in Vinicius Jr. instead and he's doing very well. So, yeah. They can... So that's like real life. <laughs> I, sold him for, yeah, I sold him for 35 million, Riyad Mahrez, to Atletico Madrid. Could you imagine if you could do that in life? Like, you know, hmm, I don't like this cousin getting rid of him and bringing in some uh, Oh, that'd, guy that'd, that'd be a great. big long list. Right? <laughs> I've got Yerry Mina in defence as well. He's doing very well for me. Well done. Jesse, that, that sort of happens already there, doesn't it? You know, it's sort of when people end relationships after Christmas or something, it's like the transfer windows. Oh, Ryan. Oh. Are you divorced already? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, thankfully, none of my family listens to this, but I have a family wedding coming up and it would be really nice to have a transfer window right now. <laughs> or just wow. like let me transfer myself out because... Like just, could I sub myself out for this one? You could loan yourself See, out to Justin's family for a month. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Who needs a spare cousin? I'm in. <laughs> Martin, I, I, I was going to say, I, I, wow. Okay, I was going <laughs> to offer that. Wow. Right. But technically, you, you know, if you were going to be Martin's cousin, you'd technically be mine as well. So te- <laughs> you know, that doesn't really work. So why not, Ryan? Well, no, you've you've clearly picked your favourite. So you know, Ooh. swiftly moving on. We've had some fairly recently. I don't really need any more. I hear Martin makes really good podcast games as well. Wow, okay. <laughs> Just looking at my notes thinking, really do I want to carry on with this? Uh, <laughs> you're now lying on the floor as we're pummeling you to your pulp. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I do a favour for you, Chris. <laughs> Uh, so those teams are also obviously in the FA Cup. Uh, Brighton have got Palace. Bournemouth have got Wigan. Coventry against Stoke. Newcastle against Luton. Bolton, Huddersfield. And Fleetwood Town versus Leicester. Apart from Brighton Palace being the all-Premier League game, uh, is there anything in there that we think might be an upset? Well, Brighton Palace has got VAR, hasn't it? Oh, well, I think all really? of them have got VAR, haven't they? Or... Is it just the one? Uh, I thought How it was does just only the one have? How is that acceptable? I know I know that Arsenal Chelsea's League Cup uh game would have VAR. Right. I I heard today on a different podcast that Brighton uh Palace would be the cheating first on one. Us now? I am. <laughs> I'm cheating on you. That'd be nice, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, Rio Sharapova is a football podcast with Jody May. <laughs> <laughs> You'd never see me again. Um how how are they? How are they justifying using it for some and not all? I don't know, but I may be wrong. But it's something I heard earlier on today on um, on the BT Sport podcast. I mean, if it's true, it's just the FA can just justify it by just sort of shrugging their shoulders and be like, "Why not?" Yeah, yeah. There you go. I tell you, one to look out for would be Fulham Southampton. I think that could be um, quite an interesting one. Yeah. Well. I'd... Yeah. I think this the Coventry Stoke could be interesting because I don't think there's many chances left at Stoke um, for, for Mark Hughes. 
I, um, to be honest, I'm surprised he's not gone already. I, I, yeah. you know, I, I would have expected them to have, have, have sort of got rid of him by now. So, I mean, Justin, how, how long do you think... It, if they do win against Coventry, it, it's not really going to save him much. It's just a stay of execution, I think. You know, um, it's tricky. I, I do think sometimes... I think I think that he is well regarded enough in in the game and has enough of a of a of, a, of an international stature that that maybe that's why he's still in the job. I mean, Stoke, you always uh, attract a lot of attention when you when you sack a manager and uh, when it's when it's a high profile one rather than even though he is he has done the rounds the managerial rounds now. A lot of us still remember him as a player. There's a Barcelona connection. All these things I think make it. Uh, something that Stoke will want to to put off as long as possible, and they'll certainly hope he can turn it around. But but um, he's I'm sure very very low on on remaining goodwill, and so he'll have to get a result at Coventry. I think it's quite quite. Ask... In... Go. On. No, sorry, Chris, go for it. No, sorry. All I was going to say is just two quick ones. Is I think it'd be quite interesting because I think Coventry are doing okay in League Two. Plus Jared will be there as a ball boy, so. Give your oh. a favor. Hi, Jared. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but Sashin Nakrani sent a tweet out today, which was, um, which footballer do you remember from when you were younger that young people today or millennials today have absolutely no idea how good they were? And my reply was Mark Hughes. Oh, interesting. Because he was yeah, a phenomenally good player. Yeah, extremely good. He was. He was. And Michelle Platini as well. Yeah, I went with, I said George Haji, which is... Um, which is, is, I mean, uh, people should, should certainly know about Michel Platini, um, but... But, um, oh, but I thought a lot of kids would just have him down as a sort of corrupt administrator. Yeah, you're well, right. No, no, no. I mean, I mean it was, it's the 80s, you know, for Platini, where you're talking about when he was, he was turning on the style and all that. So you have to be my age, really, to remember that. As, Although, as... do you guys remember the, the... I think they were probably Nike commercials um, for whatever World Cup... I, I mean, maybe in the, maybe in the knots, um, and it was it was at their peak. So it was Platini, and um, it was this little boy, and he and he's playing in like an alleyway, and then he calls on these players in their heyday, and he called on Platini. It was great. I vaguely remember that. that. That was just that was maybe South Africa 2010, Jesse. No, wasn't it earlier than that? Oh, okay. I don't know. I may be wrong. Or they run No, Justin, you're wrong, but I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> no, I tend to always believe that I'm wrong. But, um, yeah, so that's what I remember of, uh, like, this, this surge of, of Michel Platini related, like, as a, as a player, because it made me look him up. If you get yeah. a chance to... He was an extraordinary player. I, I got in a little Twitter debute, uh, dispute once, uh, because I think everybody... Um, of most ages now saw enough of Zidane to know exactly how good he was. Um, and, and somebody lost their mind at me for suggesting that, that Platini was, was at that level. And I think it's because um, Zidane is so aesthetically pleasing to watch mm. uh, that, you know, he's just so graceful and, and the touch was unbelievably silky and, and, and the vision every the balance and the power running with the ball, all those things. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna reopen this can of worms by saying it didn't always result in a lot of goals for his side, and um, uh, I, I don't remember who it was. Uh, uh, someone may have managed them both, and, um, and 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 sort of made that point, and that it's it's 
sometimes it was easy to overlook the fact that that that, Plat- that that Zidane was sometimes a languid player who didn't influence as many games as perhaps he should have given his level of ability. That is to take nothing away from the career he had and the player he was. Um, but but um, Platini was similar from the aesthetic point of view. He was just gorgeous to watch. I don't think Zidane did any showboating. I think everything Zidane did, all the flicks, all the tricks, all you know, everything he did, he did it with an end result in mind. I don't think he was ever a showy off kind of player. That was just how he did it. But I, for me, he's the greatest footballer to have ever kicked a ball. He's just absolutely unbelievable. Yes, yeah, you think I don't that have, about Zidane? I don't I'm have Zidane, yeah. that. I don't have him anywhere near that. Don't you? No. He would go months without without influencing a game the way he should have, uh, I, I felt. Um, for instance, when he was at um, when he was at Juve with Edgar Davids in that midfield, and, and Manchester United used to routinely go there and just run them over. And I thought, why isn't he running the show? Why isn't he in control of this? Why isn't he just keeping the ball constantly for his side? And there were times that he, he didn't do that. And I, I think if we're talking about the very best, Chris, I, I'm not disputing how good he was as a, a footballer. I don't think he always produced it. Um, and, and and that might be historical revision on my part. I don't know. If anything, I find people tend to forget those spells of players' careers and remember them um, more kindly. But um, I don't know. I mean, do, do, we, do, we, do we remember those years when he was in that midfield? And, yeah. And... Um, I think you're right. I think if you look at the Champions League final I just, in 1999, I, I, I think if you look at the yeah. Champions League final in 99, I think he failed then because he had uh, a yellow carded Roy Keane in midfield. All he had to do was sort of draw one more tackle from him, and I think there he failed. And I think at Euro 96 with France he failed. But I mean, if you look at what he did with, Bo- I remember watching him on Eurosport with. Um, with Bordeaux when they got to the Intertoto Cup final that year. He sort of dragged that team there. Um, the France in 2006, I think, would have got nowhere near that World Cup final if it wasn't for him. And if you think of, there's other individual performances, there was times for... I think he was better at Juventus than he was at Real Madrid, although everyone remembers that volleyed goal in the Champions League final. But there's times yeah. when he did sort of grab games by the scruff of the neck and score. You think against England, Euro 2004... Um, you know, 90th minute, France are losing 1-0, two Zidane goals, they won 2-1. Fair enough. I mean, uh, look, I'll, I'll go on YouTube sometimes and, and one of the, there's a highlight video of him that's one of my favorite favorite videos to watch. And, and so I'm just saying by the standards of the very, very, very best, um, I don't think you can, for me, you can't touch Maradona and, and, and even and Messi. I'm ready to put Messi in that category. That is two Argentinians you just listed. <laughs> that I may have to leave. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, I'm sorry. You're Paolo Montero. Um, Messi's definitely in that category. And I think the thing is with Maradona, I did the pieces of me, Jesse, as you know. That's where you pick your favorite retired players. And when I went on there, I picked Maradona because I said that I remember him from Mexico. And because there was no satellite TV or Sky TV, he was this guy that popped up once every four years on your TV for a month in the summer did unbelievable stuff and went again if Maradona played now with satellite TV and the internet you, I think he would be um, he would be much greater much better appreciated than what he probably is yeah I agree with that I mean, the other thing about Maradona too is, is, is what he did at club level um, you know at Napoli where they won almost nothing before he came mm-hmm. won an awful lot while he was there and then have gone back to, to the level of club they were bef- before he went um, 
you see the lasting influence that that uh, you know that that some players and sometimes managers have at a club where they bring an era of success uh, with them, and then when they leave, it's gone and it never returns. You think, well, there must have been something there. I remember uh, again a conversation with someone talking about the titles that Alex Ferguson bought at Manchester United, and I said, okay, that's fair. Have a look at what he did at Aberdeen. Mm. And so sometimes, you know, there's a level of accomplishment that, that can't really be explained away any other way except a level of genius. They still love him in Naples, don't they? They still got pictures of him there and all that sort of thing. Oh, there's murals. Yeah, there's murals everywhere. And, and I mean, I remember Kareka was there at the same time with him, but, but it was really, you know, no team is a one-man show, but, but yeah, I mean, he... he he won the, the 86 World Cup with Argentina. As, as you rightly say about, about Zidane in France, that Argentinian side was almost all domestic-based and, and, you know, won the World Cup because of, of El Diego. I mean, he's the only player who has his own church. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> an unfair that's put on Messi now. Well, well, he hasn't done that for Argentina. Well, this is a much more dysfunctional era of... of uh, national of the Argentinian national side, despite reaching that the World Cup final. No, the, but the, that's also that's you know sociopolitical in its own way too. That Maradona in Argentina is considered like you know a god of the people, and they blame Messi for leaving for Barcelona when he was young. And exactly, and he never he didn't play domestic. He didn't have a chance, you know. Yeah. And if you look at some of the punishment that was meted out to Maradona as well. Which was pretty brutal, wasn't it? Oh yeah, the, the, I mean, you know, tackling from behind was was still a part of the game, um, and uh, he just took a, an awful lot of, of punishment and abuse. Yeah. Oh, the other thing as well, I think I, you know, would France have won the World Cup in '98 without Zidane? Probably not. Um, I know he's yeah. I mean, you know, you got Stefan Givarash up front, haven't you? You need somebody else behind. You do, you do, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that opens up another argument because any successful side um, would struggle without their top player. So a side that has actually won the top prizes, the, the World Cup, the Champions League, the Euros, um, because the level of competition for the actual trophies at the very highest level is, is so intense, I think the majority of trophy winning sides you you could make an argument would not have actually won those trophies without their top player at the time um you you would agree chris liverpool mm. wouldn't have come back and, and won that 2005 champions league final without steven gerrard nope you know so i mean that then it's just it's such a big loss for any side when you lose your whoever you consider to be your top player so mm. I feel like there's no. I think like there's no going back now from from what I've said about Zidane. I want I want to stress again. <laughs> I love heaping more praise. Somebody's about to like, tweet. Justin I, hates Zidane. I, I, <laughs> I just I don't have him as one of the, the as the all time greatest player that ever lived. I would put him right up there with with the best players to watch of all time. Mine was always Ronaldinho. That even if he wasn't at his best or the best there was such i mean you were watching somebody who was so happy to be playing anytime he got the ball wherever he was and it was so much fun to watch him play he, i mean he, I, he was that now as well even yep. when he comes out like for, for every other for little Jerry game he happens. does you know he's, he's just, just he's always got a smile he's always yeah yep. always got a smile do you know tim vickery's yep. theory about uh ronaldinho 
uh, don't ruin Ronaldinho for me, but go for it. <laughs> His dad died when he was a very young age. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldinho's dad died when he was a very young age. And I think he had quite a sort of sheltered upbringing from that. I think he's one of the younger brothers in his family. So obviously his sort of older brothers took the sort of brunt of all that and they helped him to get to where he got. Um, and of course, when he got there and he's got the money, he thought, you know, I don't need to. It's not that I don't need to work, but, you know, I've, I've been to the brink with my dad dying. So, uh, you know, I want to live. I want to enjoy myself, which is why he sort of took his eye right. quite literally off the ball and, you know, found his way to the nearest nightclub. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's his well, Did you see um, Diego oh. Forlan sign for someone today? Uh, West Ham I'm story. afraid there's something we might need to talk about that's a little more pressing. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry, distraction. It's a, goal. it's a goal of the season contender. Is it? That's, Absolutely. That's uh, one of the best hits you're ever going to see. Uh, okay, you, you, now you, the right. fact that they didn't call that penalty five minutes ago is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Who's scored? Uh, Obiang has scored for West Ham. Stunner, yeah. they call it the BBC website. Absolutely stunner. Absolutely. 28, 30, 32, 33 yards. What right did they up. have, 9% possession? <laughs> Could Larissa have done better? Oh. No, I, I mean, he got a hand to it. Um, he got a hand to it, but... you better if he was two inches taller. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think keeping those out. Oh, that's, that's a goalkeeper's dream, though, isn't it? Oh, I'm just going to make myself taller for a couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry, I was saying um, Dega Forlan signed for a Chinese club today. Yeah, Yeah, sorry, even my dog is spooked because I just (laughs) levitated. Such a good hit, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Right, Uh, well, moving on from that very interesting uh, conversation um, to the Tuesday's games, or what sort of part you would probably call the, you know, too much injury risk games. Uh, West Ham, who, you know, have just taken the lead against Tottenham. Sorry, Jesse. Uh. Um, <laughs> beat West Brom, who have now made an official complaint to the Premier League about the fixture congestion and West Ham having a big break because of the game. Was it on Boxing Day or uh, the one that got cancelled? Don't know. Every West, day uh, seems West... to have blurred into one this last no, that's week. That's the problem so. I had with the football over the Christmas break was people kept saying to me, did you do your Super 6? Did you do your fantasy football? I said, I can't keep track of what games are on at the moment. Uh, I think it was going to be West Ham Tottenham on Boxing Day, but that got cancelled and moved to tonight because of security con- concerns. Um, so West Brom complained. Obviously, nothing's going to happen with that, more than likely. Um, but we've seen a winter break work elsewhere. And we always talk about how December and January is a really busy time for football clubs in, in England. Is there any chance of a winter break working here? No, because they'd start off to Dubai and um, sort of take part in exhibition matches over there. Just look at what the Bundesliga teams do. Justin, did you ever get a sort of like a, either a winter break or a break during the season, uh, during the regular season? Yes, because we didn't have undersoil heating. <laughs> so we, I mean, genuinely, you, 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 we got we got unscheduled winter breaks when when there would be winter storms or snowfall and things like that. So you get matches would be put off for that reason. I, I've always wondered if isn't there a middle ground because they play so many games during the holiday period, and then the, what's proposed instead is a winter break. And I and I always think, well, couldn't we just eliminate the midweek game in between Boxing Day and and like why did everybody play? This week, having played twice in the previous 
72 hours or whatever it was and and um it just seems like is there is there some need to to play that many games in such a short period of time and i don't blame west brom for making that complaint because the only thing that makes it equitable is that everyone else does it but if there's a, a fixture that's put off and now you're playing a third match in, in six days and, and your opponent hasn't the science now tells us that you've got a, a, a significant disadvantage. Every area of the, of the game will be negative, in, you know, negatively impacted by your player's fatigue and the relative lack of fatigue of the opponent. So it, it is a little bit fair, and when you add to that, they're already at a disadvantage by being West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> and having Alan Pardew in charge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am not an Andy Carroll fan, but... The the look on Alan Pardew's face made that almost worth it. <laughs> Why is he so easy to dislike? I, I, I mean, everybody... Andy Carroll? No, no, no. Alan Pardew. Oh, Alan Pardew. I was going to say, Andy Carroll, Andy that's Carroll. an easy one. Yeah. He's well, full of hubris. I, yeah. I guess He's you're right. He's full of domestic violence. Well, there's uh, that, yeah. I don't know if you saw this. Apparently, Chelsea are um, interested in Andy Carroll. What? What? I saw that story earlier. The Sun and the Mail both said that... Uh, Conte is apparently keen on backup from Arata, and he thinks that backup is in the uh, shape of Andy Carroll. He really is leading you know, in June, isn't not, he? Nothing should be in the shape of Andy Carroll. <laughs> not even Andy Carroll should be in the shape of Andy Carroll. Yeah, he's definitely leaving. <laughs> we do need to talk about Marata, Brian, at some point. We, we'll, we'll get to his okay. um, <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> problems on the pitch, shall we say. Jake um, Livermore's not getting any um, action taken against him, is he? Is it... Jake Lim was action against him. He won't is get any. Of, no, 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 because uh, I know there's an investigation regarding the fans that were giving him some abuse. Mm. So that, that's obviously positive that they're not blaming the player for anything um, and they're actually going to try and do something about it. Problem is, small minorities will always pop up and ruin games for people, ruin whatever for other people. Um, but yeah, Hang the, on, Brian. Is, is that how you meant to phrase that? I don't, what? Minorities ruin, pop up and ruin things for people. Or... <laughs> fix it, Ryan. Fix it. Fix it quick, fix it. quick. A fix small minority. A, sm- a small minority of people. That's up. it. Yeah. What was, there we go. What was I? I Everyone what? needs an editor. Ryan what? Farrar. Well, I mean, this this might be an American English no. and <laughs> British English thing, but if you say minorities here, you're referring to uh, oh, yeah, okay. non-white people. Yes, yes, exactly. A small minority of people. There you go. The rest. Good. There you go. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. We don't want a Jamie Vardy situation on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah. So I don't. Think, I don't think a winter break would work. But I mean, surely eliminating the maybe eliminating the FA Cup replays. Or one thing that I was thinking about earlier is the fact that we've got two cups. You know, we've got the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, whereas most leagues only have the one. You know, is that an extra game? Like, could you take the Carabao Cup away? And then you've got extra days in the season to play the Premier League games. It just seems like scheduling such a, an issue, especially with all the TV rights. They must be able to do something about it, surely. It's hard because you kind of think that you know we need to give these players as much of a chance as possible, and then you think, well, they're on two hundred grand a week, sod them. They can you know play every day. But I think if we've got a realistic chance and duty of care over these people, then we have to look at it seriously. I think we need an eighteen-team Premier League. Um, to reduce this amount of fixtures, possibly a couple of weeks in um, around this time of year. So you sort of finish Boxing Day and then you come back on FA Cup third round replay. And I definitely think we should get rid of the Carabao Cup, the League Cup. 
Sorry, yeah, it, it's just... Sorry, Jessica, I interrupted you there. <laughs> No, no, you've go for it. Sa- you've been saving these opinions, Chris, for a long time. <laughs> I'm like a man unleashed. There's a wall that needs building between you and another country. I can't think which one it is. Canada. It's definitely Canada. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jesse? But you were going to say something and then... No, no, I, I was going to say that it probably does have a lot to do with uh, television rights, but, you know. Well, the fact that you've got two games tomorrow night, sort of, Friday night for the FA Cup, a few games on Sunday, a few games on uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then it just seems games are always dotted around. I mean, I know they've been talking about having a game on a Saturday evening now, or sort of, sort of you've got your Friday night kickoff, Saturday lunchtime, 3 o'clock, and I can, I can imagine we're going to get to a point where there's only going to be one 3 o'clock game. I don't mind. No. I don't mind the fact that the FA Cup games are spread over because this is a chance for some of the smaller teams to take a little bit of TV revenue. I haven't got a problem with third round. Oh, agreed. I think. I mean, the, the, the Premier League does. I mean, I think the first week of the season you had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous how you've got a Premier League game tonight and the third round of the Cup starting tomorrow. Um, I mean, FA Cup third round is my favourite weekend of the season. So it's you know it's a big and this is the day. Uh, it's this the anniversary today of Wrexham beating Arsenal in the cup. If you remember that, Justin, I do remember that. Yeah, so days like this are are pretty special, <laughs> and I think the, te- the the lower league teams need as much exposure on TV as they can. But to have a Premier League game the day before the third cup round of the cup starts is a bit daft. And I, th- I think another problem is you people actually getting you know a few people that I've spoken to are just getting a little burnt out actually of, of how much football is available to watch right now. Um, I, I honestly, yeah, there were there were day. I mean, I've had a lot of time off. This is a slow period for us, and so I was just amazed day after day all the games uh, through the the holiday period, league games. Uh, you're still thinking and talking about was that a penalty? Was it not? And then the team you're thinking about two days later, they're, they're you know they're back in action. They're playing again. We it could just cancel a- this Tottenham West Ham match. Fine, <laughs> sacrificing one for the team. That's that's okay. We, we we have a, a, a we really do have a building top four story since we have no league grace this this is going to be very very interesting Chelsea aren't even a hundred percent secure you know the, the 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 points difference between two through six right now is is very tight one little loss of form and this this you know, is... Yeah, I mean, we'll get sort of onto the closeness of it um, in a bit. But yeah, the, the league is is sort of even at the relegation zone as well. There's not that many points separating teams and someone that I mean, look at Everton where they are now compared to where they were, you know, towards the start of the season. A few wins suddenly they shot up the table. You know, yeah, sort of, it, it, it's a massive set of um, swings and rounds about in the Premier League at the moment. It's really interesting, but it's just so much football. And you know, you as Chris said you know you want the FA Cup to be sort of almost sacred and say right here's here's the FA Cup time here's the time for these lower league clubs to get some time on TV but some people might not want to watch that game tomorrow night or Saturday or Sunday because they're watching the game tonight and then they're thinking right, I don't want to have to spend another two three hours watching another game and, and then another game and another game so it, you know it's interesting the fact that it's, it's going that way. I think FA Cup weekend makes a whole lot of sense. Well, I, I mean, the I'm, Premier League needs four-day yeah, weekends. I'm old enough to remember in England where very few games, certainly league games, were televised. Um, 
so you know when I when I lived in England in 1987, 88, those years, you would get uh, you get one on the Sunday, wouldn't you? Yeah, every now and then a European game, and then you get you get the occasional midweek game, and then you'd get um, they seem to be more generous with the cup games, um, but but the argument always was it will keep people at home <clears throat> and will hurt attendance, and um, I have to think. I, I don't know. I don't know what what the effect is. But for somebody like me who will literally sit down and watch any game, um, if even I sometimes feel a little weary by the amount that's on, then I wonder if it does lead to it just being so ubiquitous. How about that word? That that's a good one. Now spell it's not it. That, it's not that people lose interest. They just would maybe take it for granted a little bit. You know, there's there's always game. There's always a game. So I don't particularly need to watch this. Palace Huddersfield Huddersfield game because there'll be another one. There's probably another one as soon as it ends. I like when Justin's on because when he says I remember when, and then I can also remember that as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't feel as old. You and you say I remember when, and I go I wasn't born then. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have any of that. <laughs> Justin, do you remember the FA Cup semi-finals were on back to back on TV, different grounds, but um, I was, not only, yeah, I was just, I was just going to say that not only were they on back to back, they weren't. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what's just happened. <laughs> oh my god, no! And now I'm scared because I know you. I know I'm forty seconds behind you. Oh god. I can't believe everything in the same match. Right everything this hurts. Happened. This has this happened is... in the same match. These oh, two my, my face hurts. My People hurts. listening to this everything on Saturday are going to be really confused. Oh, no. No, they'll but remember. You'll have, to, you'll have to edit. They'll remember. Oh, they'll, they'll remember all of it. Yeah. These two goals in the same match, it's pretty unbelievable. Okay, two, yeah. Thir- just... Wait, wait, Lamella. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is it is it one oh now, Jesse? Oh, it's, it's one one son from thirty five yards. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Okay. I follow I follow Mirror Football on Twitter and okay. I was trying to figure out who it was because they God. never used the right names. I so. can't believe we've had these two goals in the same match. And so so very when people do listen to this, uh they'll know exactly you know, they'll they'll remember that Obiang and the Son balls. <laughs> makes that Jesse, tweet I, I just sent you a bit so redundant. Yeah. <laughs> what? You've uh, you really messed up there, Chris. Yeah. You jinxed it, I think. <laughs> right. So moving on from Tottenham actually scoring because we always want to ignore that, and moving on from any potential of a winter break. That's my, my favourite because he wouldn't say that. <laughs> well, I'll see West Ham, who are currently now one all uh, against Tottenham. They play Shrewsbury Town in the FA Cup. And I can't remember who Tottenham have got. I've made a note. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh. Who have Tottenham got Jesse at the weekend? I'd have had it written down. I don't know. I know they're playing Arsenal. My Wimbledon. Friend. Wimbledon. I do have it written down, Chris. I've got a notebook <laughs> and it's on the other page. He's got it in a notebook, Chris. He's doing great. Thanks, Jesse. Even though I don't think you're paying attention as much. <laughs> so, uh, also obviously on Tuesday, uh, we had Crystal Palace uh, come from behind to beat Southampton they go 14th while Southampton are now in 17th are they in trouble Chris? I think they are you can't see where they're going to get another win from but I think we should be all down on our bended knees apologising to Roy Hodgson 
that's an interesting spot. <laughs> what, why? <laughs> I think I think when he was appointed, a lot of people were very sniffy about it, weren't they? Um, because the last job he had was um, doing so well with England, and I think that people thought that he was a busted flush. But he's come in and he's organised that team very well. They've. Um, I I haven't got the stats to hand because that's your job tonight. But I think they've got, um, <laughs> I think they're in the sort of top four or five for um, recent league form. I think. Oh yeah, no, I, was, I don't have that written down because I had Southampton's poor form oh, written down instead. God's um, sorry, you know this is you know this is a learning process. It's harder than it looks, isn't it? It is. You know, I I, I, I messaged Chris earlier just to say you know I've got to give you a lot of credit because I was sitting there at work on my lunch. <laughs> I started writing it down. And I was like, "How do you segue everything? Like, this is horrendous." It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's difficult. All difficult it looks. And then you've got someone just sitting there watching a football match while you while you talk, and you know, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> two of them are. <laughs> uh, I mean, Southampton tra- travel to Fulham in their FA Cup match, but I mean, they're definitely in trouble now. I think, as you said, it's difficult for anyone to see where their next win's going to come. Um, do you see them letting go of their manager? Me? Um, I don't know. They don't tend to, do they? They tend to be quite loyal, but it is really, really hard to see how they can get any kind of momentum together. And there may become a tipping point where they think um, it's January. This is our only chance to sort of buy our way out of this. He's not doing very well. Um, let's get somebody else. I mean, they've got Les Reed there. He didn't do brilliantly with Charlton when he had a go, but he's got some sort of level of managerial experience. Um, yeah, I know we talked about. I think they need something. I don't know. They need they need some form of purchases in January. Yeah, but you know, just sacking you know, constantly sacking your manager does it make much difference? I, I wonder how many of these Southampton fans were so pleased when Claude Puel left last season and now when eating humble pie. Yeah, probably. Well, I, I don't think Pellegrino will be leaving because he's just been given a vote of confidence by the chairman. Hmm. Uh, 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 the dreaded vote of confidence. Yes, yeah. thank you for recognizing that for the sarcasm it was. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I remember when there was a vote of confidence about Mourinho the week before he got sacked. Yeah, yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> we had a vote of confidence about your presenting skills earlier on. Oh, oh no! Wow. I'm sorry. still on the floor. I'm sorry. still getting pummeled. That was really, that was really <laughs> been. <laughs> We're about what an hour in or forty-five minutes in, and uh, he's done. You're doing well, Ryan. Thank you. I think it's, it's a different. Sometimes. It's a different style. You're you're much you're more laid back than than Chris. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe maybe didn't have the one stat to hand that Chris might have had, but but overall, good flow. He's it, doing all right. I'm not a stat man. I think that's what it is. <laughs> you, you present from the heart. Ryan. Oh, that's oh, thank you. That's that's good. <laughs> yeah, I use the stats. You use you're like sort of Ferguson and you know, like Roy Keane, those old school managers, and I'm sort of one of those sort of new. I'm like Billy Bean. Billy Bean, yeah. <laughs> the money ball, Chris. Your money, the, yeah. You're the money ball of the pot um, hosting world. <laughs> <laughs> Can I mention next to West Brom as a possible uh, slip up for the Premier League team tomorrow? Yeah. Because Exeter are in and about the playoffs in League Two. West Brom, I don't think, have won a game since August, have they? They were no, close to it. No. <laughs> <laughs> West West Brom, if I'm, if uh, I might be a season off here, but it seemed to me they were sort of last season's Burnley, and that they they managed to stay up in the top half for a long time 
even though they really shouldn't have been. Again, they didn't didn't score a lot of goals. They did concede a, a few. Um, they were difficult to play, and they got just enough results. But it was strange that for the longest time they were they were top half, and they, they reverted to the mean as a as a statistical person may have said. And 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 now a year on, they're they're fighting for their lives and not looking good. Right. They're definitely not looking good, that's for sure. Um, I mean, someone that looking... No, they're still lost, but they looked a little bit better. Swansea uh, lost oh. to Tottenham. Um, but did, did they have a bit more fight in them this time, Jesse? Um, you know, I think I would say yes, except I think that when you when you see teams like Crystal Palace going out against Manchester City... Um, and the way that they attacked from the very beginning and played without any sense of um, intimidation or, or like they were not going to sit back and defend for 90 minutes, the difference between that match and Swansea against Tottenham was pretty clear. Um, and I, I do think that's in the coaching. I think had, had these Swansea players been told, go out and do what you can do and, and, and attack, and you're not any less than or or different than Tottenham then we would have seen a sort of um hopefully um more of an even-handed match so I think yes we can give them credit for what they did but I but um I think playing with that like knowledge that you have a lot to lose that you want to play for the point um, is definitely holding them back. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a Swansea preparing for life in the championship, they've you know, obviously hired a, a manager who was just sacked by a championship club uh, about three days before he got the Swansea job. It, it, it seems almost like they're preparing for life in the championship now and playing like one as well, you know, defending for their lives and just not thinking they'll get anything. Yeah, it was interesting what Jesse said about Palace and their game against City. And um, I think when you, when you start to get into relegation trouble, there's just an overall fear begins to grip and infect everybody at the club, right down to the the, the whoever sews up the kits and all that. And it makes it difficult, even if the manager tries to say, we've got nothing to lose, let's attack, let's go at people, let's make life difficult, let's try to win and get points. Um, it, you know, When you're in that mindset, a, a draw is a non-negative result for any one game, but for a side in, in trouble needing a lot of points, it, it, it's just another fixture gone. And um, you know, for whatever reason, you, you know, an improved per- performance from Swansea is still... A, a timid performance. There was a good battling defensive performance against Spurs in a game that, by the way, I thought was going to be put off halfway through the game as the pitch was taken on water. And, and speaking of weather, before we, we went live, that was as bad as I've seen lately. Yeah, that uh, ball was not moving so well. It was, it was not moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they do, Ryan, they do look like a side that, that are almost resigned to it. Whereas, I mean, I really, I was impressed with with. Palace. I think the difference between you know Newcastle. It was it was the difference between Newcastle's first half and second half against Man City. Um, I think any team that goes out against Manchester City this season, 
attacking for 90 minutes, I'm, I'm going to appreciate. And, and I thought that, that Palace doing that was really great to see. I wonder if we're going to see more of it just, just by process of elimination since literally nothing else has worked. Yeah, and look, uh, I under- they showed that it did work. You know, if you yeah, can hope I, that I understand it works. the fear of, of of being too open against that that team, but they played twenty two, one twenty, drawn two, scored something like sixty four, conceded thirteen. Nobody, you know, this is a, over here in Those the states. Those are good for, stats, Justin. Look at they you. Are bad, are <laughs> well they? done. Oh wow! I'm not trying to pull the, the the conversation towards City, but but towards the sides that have to play them and just say sort of. Maybe that's a better option than than anything else at this point. If, if if nothing else, it might get them a little bit deeper in their own half at times. Well, sort of that that is a perfect segue, really, because I was going to bring up the city game next. Uh, they beat. Thank you. Uh, they <laughs> they beat Watford uh, by three goals to one, and they're now fifteen points clear of United uh, in the game. De Bruyne obviously came back from his injury scare from the Palace game uh, to get an assist. Uh, I mean. It, the Premier League is theirs to lose, right? 15 points clear of Man United. You can't imagine anyone else is going to be uh, getting close to City, are they? No. No, but I read, no, a, I read a hot take that um, a, a tweet that somebody wrote that their sort of um, unpopular hill that they were willing to die on was that Kevin De Bruyne is both one of the best players in the league right now and one of the most overrated. So I you guys to see what you thought overrated what, the... yeah because yeah. i think he's incredible but i don't know what you think Did God say that? yeah that's that's someone said that de bruyne was overrated yes yes, I, mean, yes I saw i saw the same tweet jesse and yes. i actually i actually replied to that tweet and said <laughs> it said my my hot take is that the term overrated is is meaningless <laughs> All that matters is how good a, how good a player is. How how well do they perform? It doesn't matter what the transfer fee was. It doesn't matter what the wages are. Those are relatives and variables that that you might, um, you know, it might influence how how good you think he is or should be. But there is only one reality. There is only one objective standard, and that's how they actually perform. So the whole overrated thing doesn't even matter. It doesn't even mean anything. But that one's madness anyway. But overrated. He's a brilliant. The thing is, it's overrated compared to what, like you say, is it his transfer fee or is it his talent or? Yeah, that that right or or the hype or surrounding him. The hype, you know, yeah. how much people, how good people say he is. I, I have that. This happens to me all the time. I, if I praise David de Gea, I'll get someone in my mention saying he's. It's it's only because if any other goalkeeper made that save, no one would have thought it was as good. It's only because of his reputation. And I'll always, if I feel like replying, I'll say, "How did he get that reputation?" Because he's Gumby and he's really good. Well, right, because he, he's, <laughs> he may, you know, there's an, a, a level of objective performance that that tends to get these players these reputations. So, yeah, that that De Bruyne one. Can we, you know, can I say one more thing about City? And that's that I'm impressed by the level of restraint um, from the media in England. Because if if this were in this country, they would be talking. The discussion would have at least been raised by now. If this was the greatest Premier League side ever, they, they are they're certainly the most dominant Premier League side ever. I've just named the numbers, played 22-120. Um, you know, they're going to the Chelsea side with the 95 points. Ryan, as you well know, have the, 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 the most points in Premier League history. 
City have 18 games to play and can drop points in a lot of them and, and still pass that, that point total. I've heard that so conversation. It'll be interesting. Have you heard that conversation? Yeah, people have. I have heard people mention that conversation. Um, whether this is the best city team ever, uh, oh, sorry, best city, best Premier League team ever, because of course footballing started in 1992. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this the best league team ever? And I've heard people compare them to the Invincibles of Arsenal. Um, that's an that's an absurd comparison. Why is that? Just because they're both undefeated at this point in time. Why is that absurd? Because Arsenal drew 12 league games that season. That's oh, one-third of their league fixtures. Okay. So this City team is... is and, and I would even argue that, that if they were to lose a game, that's, that's a triviality. We, you, the whole point is, um, the whole point is to, to accumulate, to win as many games as you can, accumulate as many points as you can. They will win comfortably. They will comfortably win more games and have more points than that Arsenal side. And I know that that would upset Arsenal people who hang a lot of the, their their glory and reputation on that that one season. It was a fantastic accomplishment. Uh, I'm not diminishing it, but this city side is is objectively better. It's proven in the results. I did say that. Sorry, sorry. I thought that was a full stop, not a comma. <laughs> Go on, carry on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not even. There are five sides in Premier League history that, that got more points than than the Invincibles. It's not even like, oh, can this city side top the Invincibles' points total? The, the Invincibles got 90 points. That, that's been topped by both Man United, uh, Chelsea, and City already, I think. Am I wrong in saying that? It's been topped several times. So, I don't know. At the end of the day, we've got this objective measure of how good sides are. Now, you know, okay, they're not playing the same competition. Um, and and I love that Invincibles Arsenal side. They had absolutely everything. Everything. All the things that Arsenal miss now are what that side had. They they they've got the creativity uh, and the individual skill, but they don't have you know the the sort of marauding, ball carrying and ball winning ability of Patrick Vieira and some of the steel in the back four, obviously, and then even some of the box to box types like like um, uh, somebody help me out. The, the, Silva. Yeah, and and Petit and and guys like that. And obviously, Bergkamp. No, I love that side. I do, I do. But they drew twelve league games out of. I did send a tweet. Thirty-eight. That's very nearly. 30. I'm done. Sorry, you kept breaking. You kept, you kept breaking up as well. Sorry. Um, I did send a tweet out earlier on this week saying if you have a problem with City's money um, or the money that City have got. Um, Imagine if that was your club and those people had invested that in the the club's infrastructure and um, the playing squad, and you managed to bring Pep in to play that kind of football. Would you would you still be that kind of upset that there was that money? Can I say yes just to be awkward? You wouldn't, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, you know, technically it's already happened for Chelsea anyway in terms of someone coming in and spending a lot of some money and having a technically gifted manager coming in and and changing things around um, but I mean I think you've you made a good point I mean Man City it's not just that they've spent a lot of money on players but you look at their training facilities and they've spent a hell of a lot of money on their training grounds and their youth facilities so it's not just that they're coming in and buying the league as some people would say it's that they are, they are building for a future I think everyone would love that right? I don't know I think they You're would right. which is when I said to you guys the other week that you know um, we should be pretty pleased with being able to watch these people yeah, 
I agree. Jesse, do you, are you still? Are we still both on the uh, hate Guardiola Man City train, or are you, are you still off it now? Am I just allowed not to love them? I mean, I I don't. You can. You can love them. Love them, but I think they're. I think that they are incredibly talented and they're going to win the league and they deserve to win the league because they're unbeatable. But I don't... I, <laughs> I just won't <laughs> why, why put you on the spot there. Talking point, like, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to love them. You don't, Jesse. First of all, you're you're a Spurs supporter, so you're, yeah. you know, you support another club. But then secondly, there's a lot of great sides through history. Uh, and, and the, well, okay, City are, are, are great to watch. I'm thinking about, like, some of the leads sides from the 70s that were very successful and won some league titles and things, but they weren't great to watch, and they weren't that interested in... Oh, you, could say the same, you could say Chelsea last season, you know, the, the one that the title, but a lot of people said that you know, a lot of the games were boring, and, and I'd have to agree with that. So you yeah, know, but you, you still got... No, strike. I mean, it's true, they're, you know. they're very impressive to watch, City. They are. Um, I think David Silva is with this. I think he's, you know, incredible, and, and I don't, you know... Considering how long he's been in the game, he's he's still, I think, I, I, I don't know whether he's, like, peaked yet. He's still doing really well. Um, annoyingly, I really do think Cunaguero is very good. Um, <laughs> and I think, to, <laughs> just put it out there. Well, what um, you say that, but I don't think Pep feels the same way. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, and I think De Bruyne is, is phenomenal. Um I'm not going to say that about Otamendi, but, you know, you can only mm-hmm. push me so far. Um, but, yeah, I think, look, they're they're great and they're super talented. Um, I'm just not a Man City fan, that's all. And I'm just sorry. To, Justin, have you got a your family history? Is it a Latin family history or do you come from is it a European one? Yeah, no, we are the the whitest of Northern Europeans. <laughs> I'm just so wondering whether... you know how to pronounce Clavon, Ragnar. <laughs> Clavon. No, not particularly. Okay. I'm just wondering whether we're a bit more sort of whether Jesse is just very Latin and everything is sort of more black and white there, and you know whether we're a bit more languid in that way. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. If you, if you want to make a massively sweeping <laughs> not one but two continents. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's spot on. Okay. We're yeah. We're too Northern European, maybe. Yeah, I maybe don't even so. Understand how that works, but. <laughs> I read it in my eugenics book. Oh, okay, great. Oh. Do you need the measurements of the shape of my scalp or not? Yeah. <laughs> can I just say, can I, I'm going to make one last point about City that I think that's interesting, and maybe this is something people, other people have noticed, but they're one of the only sides where you can see that the manager is intensely invested and cares about what they do when they have the ball. Because it's amazing how much of managing on the coaching side of things, the tactical side of things, is about defending. So shape and and uh, movement shifting and all those things and and when you watch Pep's teams and I, it took a long time for me to it's it's difficult when you you know you sort of bludgeoned with Pep's a genius Pep's a genius and you can't help but notice he's always at one of the richest clubs in the world with the best players and all that and you think well couldn't I couldn't anyone and uh, and I think the answer to that is no. Barcelona aren't as good since he left. Bayern aren't as good since he left. And if you just watch City when they have the ball, let me flip it and look at Manchester United and, and say that you don't see a consistent attacking identity unless it's 
this trying to play crosses in early from high and wide positions, play them in low and in behind the other side's back four, because they do try that a lot. Unfortunately, they're not very good at it. <laughs> uh, they, they play a lot of poor crosses from those positions, but they do try to do it a lot. So think that's about the limit. If I if we ran through the league, it'd be difficult to come up with a lot of sides where you can you can clearly see that there are movement ideas that have been coached into the players for when their side has the ball. I'll give Klopp some credit because I think what he he's done at Liverpool and in, in instigating the really high energy, high pressing game. They then understand when they do win the ball, everyone's got a roll for the next two or three seconds. Can we immediately, immediately play a ball that cuts out uh, several of the opposition players and get people going to goal and that sort of thing? But it's so painstaking at City about you know where players will make their support runs to and away from the ball at all areas of the pitch. It's always consistent and it always leaves the other side with really difficult decisions to make about do I go with this runner or do I occupy the space or do I go and try to pressure the ball. Whichever choice they make, they're reacting to what City are doing, and so it puts them into this reactive position the whole game, and it's just a nightmare to, to play against, I can only imagine. There, I'm done. <laughs> oh, to be honest, I, I, there was another point, and I think it was just a, a quick touch back on what we were saying earlier about Mourinho and whether you know Jesse Lingard has, has improved under Mourinho, which he has, but I think... You look at Pep, and, and one thing I, I have to give Pep respect for is how many players in that Man City squad he's improved this season. Sterling, John Stones, Otamendi, the list can go on. Um, something that I've, I've noticed is how... Yeah, Delph. I mean, how Delph really, in, a, in you know, looking at the type of player he is and where he's coming from, how he's in a, in a team like Manchester City succeeding so well is a bit of a shock. But I think that shows what Pep, as a man-manager... He's really, really good at. He's out, he's getting the best out of every single player. Since I've already thrown the gauntlet down with the Zidane thing and the Invincibles, hmm. I might as well open myself up one more time here, which might be controversial. Can, uh, can I give credit to Mourinho for improving one more player? Uh, yes, it depends if it's a sarcastic Wait. comment or not. But no, and uh, give us give us a get. Like, is it at, is, at is United it, at Chelsea? Uh, where? Yeah, let's make no. it a game actually. <laughs> A game, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I I think this. I think he's improved Paul Pogba. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Oh. I mean, if, especially if you ask Garth Crooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, I mean, just just his performances this season, the last. I don't know. Okay, maybe improved isn't the right. He's freed him up. He's given yeah. him a freer role higher up the pitch, which is where he excels. I, I think he could still play higher. He could play as a ten, but you lose a little bit of his powerful running if he's starting too high up the pitch. But I, I do feel he's taken the shackles off him to some degree and let him be a more influential figure. If you go back to the the cup game against Everton, he really did turn in a 90 million pound performance in that game. He, he, was, he completely ran that game. All right, it's against an uh, Everton side that don't have the same resources. But I think he has to get a little credit for, for, for being a little bit more expansive and adventurous you with Cogba. You think he's playing better now than when he was at Juventus? Well, that's a that's a difficult comparison. I, I think that his the standard for judging his performances at Juventus was lower. He wasn't the most expensive player in the world. He was uh, almost a freebie. That they you got. just said that wasn't count though. No, it shouldn't. I know, but I'm saying that it, it absolutely shouldn't. All that should matter is is the objective performance. I'll I'll be honest and say I only saw Juve probably once a month. You know, a, a one league game or a Champions League game. So once a month or so. 
Uh, and what he mostly did then was was what he looks to do now, which is the dynamic stuff, the the hard running with the ball and and the the shooting from distance, the dramatic sort of stuff. Um, when you when you're that sort of player, the the successes are very very noticeable. You know, so when you bang one in from 25 yards, that makes the highlights. Everyone sees it. You can sort of live off that for a little while. So I think he's. I think there's a, a one notch level of maturity now to his performances. I don't mean the way he behaves. I mean mm-hmm. understanding that letting fly from 35 yards isn't always the best decision, or the the. the long diagonal ball just because it looks good may not be the best decision. So I see just a tiny bit more restraint in his game than maybe he had at Juventus. I'm not necessarily giving Jose Mourinho credit for that. He's, he's a couple years older. I think he's just grown up a little. No, I think that's fair. Uh, well, we've only got one game left to cover off and that was last night. Uh, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Did any of you watch this? Oh, yeah. It was a little bit insane. The first half, I think, was was mainly focused on uh, Courtois and um, Czech playing very, very well. Um, both made some very important saves. Uh, it finished 2-2. Uh, Jack Wilshere scored, although some will say that he probably shouldn't have been on the pitch after already being booked and diving. Uh, and then a soft penalty. As a Chelsea fan, I can do say it was a soft penalty. Uh, uh, Arsene has already disagreed with you about 42 times today. <laughs> uh, well, that's another point. Um, but if Chelsea t- uh, equalised, there were a rather soft penalty for uh, on a foul on end. Hazard, he stepped up and scored it. Alonso yeah. then thought he'd won it for Chelsea uh, with about five minutes to go. And then in the last gasp minute, Bellerin hit an absolute scrumptious strike, and it all both finished 2-2. Um, so despite the goalkeepers do, being very, very good, is it probably a case of the strikers didn't play very well? Um, I think, you know, this is one of those matches where, unfortunately, refereeing decisions played a larger part than they should have. Um, but I also think there were a number of, like, interesting standouts. I think for me, Bellerin has been so frustrating because in some matches it feels like he should, you know, go back to whatever his former occupation was. Like maybe he's a great plumber or I don't know, like ping pong star and go back to that. And then in other matches, he is phenomenal. Um, and he's so inconsistent. Um, and he almost looked surprised at that goal yesterday. And I don't think you want that. You know, I don't think you want your own um, goal scorer to look shocked at the goal that they're scoring. Um, and like Justin said, we need to talk about Morata. Um, so yeah. I don't know. There's just there's there's some really interesting individual moments in this in this yeah. match on both sides. Yeah, I mean the ref- as you said, the refereeing I think has taken the headlines over what I think should be. The goalkeeper's performances, which I think, you know, both praise to them. Um, but Morata should have easily had a hat-trick. Uh, several one-on-one chances where Callum Chambers was let off for the first. Morata should definitely be burying it. Uh, Lacazette, I felt like he probably should have had a goal. He had a couple of good chances, either one-on-one or good turns. And he just needs to, to work on his finish. Uh, Sanchez came really close to scoring. Um, and then, yeah, as, is, as you Can said, we talk about the hug? The hug. We can talk about the hug. Jesse, what happened? Um, Sanchez was going to throw a tantrum, 
and probably be obviously be yellow carded and Cesc Fabregas remembered what he learned in preschool which <laughs> was um, don't scream at the referee and stomp your feet and throw a tantrum and he just eased his way in there and hugged his buddy I didn't know they were friends did we know they were friends I, d- I didn't know they were friends I don't know and he, he diffused the situation with a with a cuddle and it was really <laughs> cute, adorable it was very random, <laughs> definitely random. And he, but he absolutely prevented Sanchez from getting carded. Damn, I wish he wouldn't have done it now. <laughs> I do too. I mean, what? Sorry. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, from those that saw the the penalty decision, a penalty for any of you, or I mean, Which I one? don't think it's. Okay. So, I don't think it's so scandalous. I mean, Bellerin swings at the ball and misses, and he kicks. Who was it? I forget who he kicked. Hazard, it, and the Hazard's yeah, leg, yeah. He, he, oh, he, he kicked him. There's absolutely no reason Hazard needs to go down. Um, if anything, he's, it, he's kicked him up, kicked him up in the air, and he's gone down. To, just to highlight to, to Mike Dean that he's been that there was contact and all that. And I said on Twitter at the time that um, it's possible for it to be a foul and a dive. Just, just because Hazard has gone down easy doesn't mean it's not a foul. I don't know that it's a penalty. I mean, if it happens at midfield, maybe it's not. I don't. I don't know. But it's. I don't find it so egregious. Um, it's not. It's certainly not my. Is he, is well, he did. He did <laughs> swing at the ball. Intent doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that he was trying to play the ball. If he missed it, you can't. You know, you can't kick people. He did the make same way, you, If you slide for a ball and, and completely miss it, and you go two feet through someone, it's like, well, I went for the ball. <laughs> Right. right, but I think right. for me the question is always: Is it a foul outside of the box? So if it had happened, you know, five feet away from where it had happened, I think Mike Dean would have been justified in calling it a, a, a foul. Yeah, that and so, that's a, yeah, I agree with you, Jesse. It probably it wouldn't have gotten any attention, and so these these things are scrutinized when they happen in the box, and they're, they're right. the penalties, and they result in a goal and all that. So plus it's Mike Dean, and and yeah, he's he's a very strange man. And, <laughs> I had Arsenal Twitter telling me yesterday that he's a Spurs fan, that it's well-known. Oh, no, we don't want him. We don't claim him. No. No, no. I, that's what I said. I said, you should ask Spurs fans about that. Nobody nobody likes him. Uh, everybody thinks he's biased against their team because he's – it's a difficult job. And, and, and um, I'm pretty sure some Spurs fan today is going to say that we didn't get that penalty because he's an, he's an Arsenal fan. Right, and exactly. So, you know, yeah. And, Chris, you're the one. You, you've, you've defended referees in the past and said – they're human, and they make mistakes sometimes. It doesn't mean they're biased. And, and, and it's I a hard agree. job. It's a very hard job. I wouldn't do it. No. Okay. <laughs> I don't like people yelling at other people. I definitely don't want them yelling at me. I tell you what I also find a very, very hard job to look at. It's being a linesman and calling offside, because you've got to look in two places at once. You've got to look at the player kicking the ball and the player running as well, haven't you? It's actually it's un it's unbelievable they can do that, and they get it right far, far, far more often than they get it wrong. And when they do get it wrong... Frequently, the only way we know that is we stop the video at the moment the ball's been played and we draw a line on the screen, and even that line will only show the player being marginally off, and, and so it's it's miraculous that they're as good at it as they are. I don't see how they do it. I think, I think some of them know when the ball is about to be played, and then they listen for it being played, and they can then watch the line. But how about these situations where there is a player in an offside position like at a free kick where they're playing it in behind the back four and, and four attacking players will be ahead of the 
the last defender, and yet none of them, you know, someone comes in late, and that's the one that, that plays the ball, and somehow they know that, and they don't give offsides. It's, I think that they was that, that Callum Chambers, um, was that Callum Chambers? It was the Arsenal um, play on Boxing Day where he wasn't part of the original play, so he was played on side by the goalie. I mean, that was bonkers that he had to keep track of all of those people and when they became part of the play and when they weren't. Yeah, I, I, all I, I can tell you that from, from uh, you know, as a coach, um, when I watch, you know, when I'm on the on the touchline with my, my side, I'm always 100% certain that I'm right. Um, <laughs> and and it, not even, you know, I'm, I'm certain the other side were offside or I'm certain we were on. And then you watch the video and you realize that you were wrong and, and that they were right all along. Do you then apologize and send a card? Well, I, I don't say anything. I usually keep it to myself. I don't, I don't, uh. I'm 51 years old. I, I don't have enough energy to be wasting on referees. I keep it to myself. All right, let's go back. How old is Arsene Wenger, who has lodged two complaints today? Yeah. Is he 67? Sure. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll check. Hang on. I'll, I'll visit the Google machine and tell you how old he is. Hang on. Wait. Ryan, wait. Well, Ryan can I just thank you from the goalkeepers' union for making that a feature of that game? Because it really was, particularly in the first half, there were there were at both ends some very composed and assured goalkeeper. I think we expect it from Courtois. We we hope to, we came to expect it from Czech, and, and and I don't think there'd be too many people that would acknowledge that he is not quite what he once was, but he is capable of those performances still, and that's good to see. Yeah, yeah. I think it was especially with with everything that happened afterwards. I think the the goalkeeper still needs some some credit for what they did anyway. So it was um, certainly good. Arsene Wenger's sixty eight. I think. Okay. I think it's most women just in. They will all say we're not the men we were ten years ago. <laughs> I but I also think I mean, my father and I had this conversation about Czech that it feels like he's not only been around forever because he you know, started so young, obviously, but considering what he's been through, um, it's pretty unbelievable that he is not only still playing, but playing at the caliber that he's playing at. Yeah, I, you know, Arsenal Arsenal Twitter, and I, I, I don't mean to use Twitter as if it's the only poor of the footballing world, but it's the most visible one. And so anytime he concedes a goal that might be slightly questionable, let alone an actual mistake, but sometimes just one that, that supporters don't like to see go in. They're just savage, savage on Twitter about him. Um, and there's this, I, th- I think, Ryan, it was even a little bit popular amongst Chelsea fans when he was still there, is they used the head injury as this sort of line of demarcation. Check good before, check not good after. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, and Chelsea yeah. fans still use it today. You know, in terms of whenever we play Arsenal, it's. I mean, I do think that that, that Chelsea made the right decision to to, um, obviously, to keep Courtois on their books and and let Czech go. Painful decision at the time because he was, I would say, still close to his peak then, and and Courtois was a little bit of an unknown quantity coming to the Premier League. But that has certainly worked out. You, you know. Um, but it, it's good. Personally, I'm happy to see that Czech can still play at that level. If not every single game, it's in a very big one, he did produce. He was a Claudio yeah. Ranieri signing, wasn't he? I, ooh, I'd have to do a check, but I think he probably was, yeah. He was. From uh, FC Lons, if I, if I... 
right? You come from Lens. I don't know how it's pronounced. It looks like Lens. <laughs> I'd, honest, I'd call it Lens. Yeah. <laughs> like Lens, Jens Lehmann. It's just, I don't, can't. <laughs> I need everything spelled out phonetically. I'm going to mess it up. I would like to do an entire podcast on Jens Lehmann, by the way. He is one of the most interesting professional footballers ever. That sounds like a good really? to me. I just read his autobiography, so we can do that. Oh, great, great. Yeah. Well, he's simultaneously, he's simultaneously very thoughtful and intelligent and crazy. Yes. Which is always a good combination, crazy. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, with that game covered off, Chelsea play Norwich uh, in the FA Cup and Arsenal play Nottingham Forest. And that's it for all the Premier League games. We got all through all the Premier League games. Uh, is there anything that anyone wants to bring about the FA Cup? You obviously mentioned Fulham. Uh, I think I was going to say something about Swansea. Obviously, they're not doing great at the moment. They've got Wolves uh, in the FA Cup, and Wolves look very, very, very good at the moment. Um, so that I think they're not probably going to have much joy in that game either. Um, but I don't think there's going to be too many other upsets, apart from the ones we've already discussed, unless anyone's got any of the other ones that are coming up. Nope. I didn't really. I mean, I don't know if we mentioned Manchester United Derby. That being at Old Trafford, I just expect United to win that game. Perhaps a little laboured, as they do everything these days. But have we talked transfer window, Ryan? We haven't. If you want to, I mean, I suppose the question, one of the main questions about the transfer window is: uh, Is Coutinho going to be in a Barcelona shirt by the end of January? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Nike, Nike seemed to think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I'd first, I'd, I'd want to get our resident Liverpool fans' opinion about the 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 long-awaited capture of of the savior. <laughs> Chris, he's talking about you. That's you, Chris. I'm the savior. Oh, Virgil Van Dijk's the savior. I thought you were talking about. I was the savior. Um, well, he's the only defender that's ever been available in the last six months. Isn't he? That's why we got him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was a criticism levied against Klopp putting all his summer baskets in that. Oh, summer eggs in that basket and not working out. But but you've got him now. You must be excited. Yeah, relieved. I think it's over, and we've finally got somebody that can uh, maybe stand in place of Dejan Lovren. I was thinking of going there myself. I think Coutinho. <laughs> um, if he goes, it won't be as big a loss as um, as it would have sort of been six months ago because of how Salah, who has now just been crowned African Football of the Year in the last few minutes. Uh, because of how he's doing, I don't really want to sell him mid-season, though. That's the only thing. If we you know, if we get an injury to Firmino, Mane, or whoever, then we're kind of stuffed there. Um, plus, I don't really know why Barcelona want to buy him because he's cut out of the Champions League, and they're sort of doing pretty well in La Liga, so they don't really need him. I guess don't he, do don't, don't Yeah, I was just going to say, don't the Spanish clubs that are those two? They sometimes make these transfer decisions on on variables beyond what the player will it is so for me the the sort of buy that encapsulates mm, voice oh sorry and all that sort of thing so i wonder if it's also just that i mean any anybody would want him in their their squad but you're right chris they've got you know he's cup tied in the champions league and they've already got a lot of good players in that role but look at what they did with with Tudan, right like they they bought him knowing that a they would have to pay so much money um in in fair wages and also that he wouldn't be able to play for at least seven months and they did anyway and i i think that just says so much about how they behave and what they're willing to go to just to get a player who may or may not play for them 
Yeah, and I, I, I think you're right too, Chris, in that he's not as it won't be as big a loss as it might have been. Um, they're just so good going forward, and uh, he does give them the element what what he's had in the last few seasons for the Bulls that that ability to, to to shoot from distance has helped when they've played those teams that sit very deep. He scored some important goals and late winners and sort of from outside the box, and he's so so good at unlocking defenses with a an angled pass with just the right right touch and all that. But there's just there's a lot of ability going forward, and and um, it, this might be the right time to cash in. I think yeah, possibly. I think slightly more worrying than that is Emre Chan is six months away from being able to leave on free. Yeah, how's that? How's that been allowed to happen? I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Dude. I'm more than happy to have very strong words with John W. Henry about it and FSG because I can't believe it's been allowed to happen. It's. I mean, people talk about the um, Alexis Sanchez situation at Arsenal. But it's not on, quite on the same level as Liverpool, but I think it's amazing. He's, he's like I said before, he's filled that sort of Alonso Mascarano-shaped hole in my heart that uh, they sort of left when they when they went to abroad, but... I, I don't understand how it's been allowed to happen at all. I can only, I can't even fathom it. The only because he's still playing games. It's not like Klopp doesn't fancy him, but he, he's still playing games. He played the other day, so yeah, maybe, that's, I don't get it. maybe he just wants to leave. Maybe, maybe it's a case of they've offered him a contract and he's he's turned it down. Maybe. But you would have thought Liverpool would be a bit more vocal about that. Yeah, but, yeah, you think unless right, they're, right. they're trying yeah. to offer him another one, I guess. Yeah. You wouldn't want to take the heat where you Liverpool and the owners and the manager if, if in fact, you had, you know, you, you did want to keep the player and it was his, his choice to go. That usually gets leaked to the press through friendly mm. sources. So yeah. I, I think you're right. It's strange, Chris, that, that he does play. And then it's not quite as easy to see the ready. Is, is Wijnaldum the, the ready-made replacement then? Who's, who's the midfield player that, that fills that role and runs with the ball and, and, and is willing to sit a little deeper while all the... Attacking geniuses do their thing ahead of him. Oh, Henderson. Do <laughs> <laughs> you mean your captain? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, captain. I would have. Yeah, I'd have Emre Chan as captain, to be honest. Yeah, to be honest, I don't. I don't think Henderson. He do, He never sort of smacks me as a as a great captain. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's it's also. I mean, it's, it's weird that. Well, between Henderson and even if you're going to give it to somebody Henderson adjacent, it should be Mills <laughs> as captain. You know. Yes, and I'm not saying it should be Milner, but if it's going to be someone like Henderson, oh, okay. give it to Milner. Yeah, he's vice captain, so yeah, he he, get, he gets that his go every now and then. It just doesn't <clears> make <throat> sense. Like Henderson as captain doesn't make sense. He's not he's not super vocal. Um, I just don't understand it. I think when Steven Gerrard left, it was sort of Hobson's choice, really. Where's the next white man? I mean, it just doesn't. <laughs> I just, it doesn't make. That's sense. That's not what Hobson's he's... choice means. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's, he gives, like, stirring pep talks, but only in the dressing room. I mean, you're right. I mean, with Liverpool's history of Luis Suarez, they weren't likely to give it to a person of any kind of skin colour, were they, the captaincy? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's... Uh... So anything else in the transfer window? Obviously, Diego Costa um, returned from his wilderness to rejoin Atletico and then scored on his return five minutes in. You know, I'd forgotten about him when I saw <laughs> that. I saw him playing and I was like, what? who let this man on the pitch? What's <laughs> happening? Do you remember someone tweeted before the game, uh, the, before the Chelsea Arsenal game, saying both Costa and Torres have both scored for Atletico. Guarantee Morata's going to have a bad game. And 
apparently that person can tell the future and, and I'm very impressed <laughs> I'm still uh, befuddled about Alexis Sanchez in so many ways because um, first of all why have Arsenal let it get to this situation second of all why did Manchester City want to buy him in the first place but also why do they want to buy him now why not wait till the summer they don't need him um, and why uh, hasn't anybody else come in for him I mean Chelsea could come in for him he doesn't have to move house or anything and he's only sort of round the corner I mean I'd, I'd definitely take him over Pedro or oh, would you? yeah I think William and Pedro are good and I feel like Sanchez is, is, is more I think especially with the, the circling rumours of Hazard maybe going to Madrid uh, he, he's starting to look a bit more of a dejected figure um, as the weeks go on now Hazard I think he's he's looking he, he's doing all these fancy flicks and you know he's doing all this hard work and I mean Morata had misplaced so many passes to him and he's getting visibly more upset and, and aggravated when uh, one of his teammates doesn't pass the ball correctly to him I, I don't feel like Hazard's going to be around in Chelsea forever, so Sanchez would would be a direct replacement. In that. Chris, you asked like you don't understand how it got to this stage with him, and I, I we can't know for sure, but it just seems like he really does want out personally, mm. and so the club have offered him improved contracts and and all that, but he's he wants to move on, and and but then you sell him big... in the last transfer window. Yeah, I know, I know. Why has it got to to now? I mean, I, I think that they put too much stock in the whole making a statement thing and just sort of standing your ground. People talk about player power, but obviously a club, if they're willing to take a complete bath on, on a on a transfer fee that otherwise they would have got, they can let a player run his contract down. It almost never happens. They usually come to some amicable agreement, and the club says, we're not going to sell you in the summer, we'll... we'll you know, we need your help to get in a top four position or whatever. We'll say in January, we'll say next summer, sign an improved contract just for show, just so that we get the transfer fee that we want. And then we'll let you go next summer. That's what Manchester United did with Ronaldo. If people cast their mind back that far Mm. and they kept him for another season and it sort of satisfied all parties. And so, yeah, I don't know why you're right. I mean, I don't know why they weren't able to come to that kind of, I think it just, he really, all I can think is he really wanted to go in the summer and they just flat out refused to let him go and therefore they weren't on the kind of terms then when they were willing to do this sort of improved contract just for show and, and agree to sell him on after it. Hmm. I think the interesting th- thing about the, the Arsenal situation is, you know, we always, they always talk about, you know, how much Arsenal, how much money Arsenal's got in the bank to be able to go out and splash on these players. Effectively, with Ozil and Sanchez, they're leaving a potential what combined 70, 80 million on the table uh, in, in, in recouping that money to then go out and buy, uh, I mean, improved players. I mean, they've completed the signing of a player today. I'm not going to even attempt to say his name because I'm going to butcher it. Completely. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, you know, a lot of Arsenal fans have sort of said, OK, well, that's not really the type of signing that I'm expecting when two of our star players are, are effectively about to leave. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting someone else. You know, I've got a few Arsenal uh, fans at work who weren't impressed at the slightest. I've, I've got a Liverpool supporting friend who gave me a list of, of very well thought out reasons why 
he didn't particularly want, you know, didn't particularly want Alexis Sanchez and how money could be spent elsewhere. And I sort of just nodded along to all of them and said, it's a good thing you don't want him mm. <laughs> not going to Liverpool. I think the thing with Sanchez, though, is we do see him, th- you know, Chris, what, what you, or, um, oh, you all sound the same to me. It's so fun. No, I'm kidding. Um, right <laughs> what you said about um, Eden Hazard sort of making his feelings known when he doesn't get the, the passes that he wants. You know, we see yeah. Sanchez. He, he, whether it's fair to say or not, he pouts. You know, he did throw that tantrum. He is, when he's unhappy, it shows in his playing. So he's not the the sort of workhorse that um, that you can necessarily count on if he's not feeling his best or his happiest. And you just, see that yep. in Chile also. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. You're right because it does happen with Chile. So, but I think it's exacerbated by the fact that he doesn't seem to want to be like genuinely. But at some point, like, is that your job? Like, you're there, and yeah. and you you can't yeah. like. I get it, but that's where you're at right now. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think too many times players sign, you know, five, six-year contracts, and then two years in, they're like, well, I want to throw a fix, I want to leave. Well, you know, you you shouldn't have signed that contract then. I I know that's a very sort of flippant statement, but surely you'd be able to negotiate, well, you know, let's do a three-year contract or something like that. And of course, you're going to want to tie a player down for longer because it means a guaranteed transfer fee halfway through. It's interesting to see these players complain when they're getting paid a lot of money and uh, and signing on the dotted line on a really long time. You you have to ask that what the what the possible long term effects on our, this could uh, on Arsenal that this could have because it's the reason he wants to leave. He wants to leave to win things, um, and we've seen that from a previous you know a, a couple successive. Oh, I really uh, want to make a World Cup joke, but I'm I'm holding back so he much. He can't <laughs> World Cup. I know, I know. But we saw we saw Fabregas leave for that reason. We saw Sanya and the other fullback leave for that reason. They both go to City and and um, and at the time I wondered, gosh, that, that's a little bit of a blow. Arsenal's standing, and then they signed both Urzel and and Alexis Sanchez from huge clubs, and and I thought that was a a sign that they still had a draw, they still had appeal to to players at the highest level of the game. I wonder, I wonder if they can get players like that, even if they have the money. You talk about the fee the two of them together would bring. Would they be able to spend that on one truly world class player from one of the very biggest clubs? When uh, you know, when those those players go back to their national team camps and they sort of. They have their stature and bragging rights based on the the club that they're at, and and if you're an Arsenal player right now, and you if you if you're Arizona, you go into a German camp, and everyone else is in title races and Champions League quarterfinals, etc. I say this with all respect in the world to Arsenal, their business model is a little bit different, and it's not right now letting them compete for those things. And you have to wonder how much they will be able to get the the caliber of player they've been able to to have there in, in past generations yeah I think that's a complete you know fair statement I think it'll be an interesting uh, couple of weeks um, in the transfer window to see who makes the moves January is always really difficult because you rarely see that many major moves um, just by virtue of clubs aren't willing to sell in the middle of a season uh, so they're not willing to disrupt anything I think um, also we have to remember that this is you know January of a World Cup year um, 
so I, I, this just may be me being like hysterical and selfish, but there are a lot of, of um, national team managers and fans who are like just hoping to get their players to the summer intact and safe. I think that's. I think it's, it's also the fact that um, a lot of players will actually be wanting to move. I mean, you look at um, a Chelsea example, Batshuayi. He's already said, I, "I need game time, or else I'm not going to make it to the World Cup." Yeah, you've got a lot of players that need to leave clubs. Because... Yeah, I mean, look at Mbappe. Mbappe really, this was from from last year to now, put him on his national team radar. So you're yeah. right. I think that you know it, it does have a lot to say, it, it, both directions. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, has anyone got anything else they want to bring up about the transfer market before we, we head towards the end of this podcast? I still believe that Wayne Rooney in a Chelsea shirt is something that, you know... No. Should, no, okay. That, 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 that has sailed and it sailed <laughs> a long time ago. It was a time, but that time has passed. Time has sadly passed, yes. That may be what I'm going to get Martin for Christmas. It's just a Chelsea shirt with Rooney on the back. I'm going to think about it. Okay, he probably wouldn't appreciate it because, as I said, he doesn't, he doesn't watch football. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't think he'd understand the joke. <laughs> right. Well, so as we're coming towards the end, uh, Chris, this isn't going to be as you know as interesting as the way you normally. Um, there's a couple of games happening around the different leagues. Uh, it seems like a bit of a. I don't know if this is fair, like a standard set of games. There's no big derbies going in in Syria. Or um, the, 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 what's, the, what's the other? La Liga. Why? Right. Everyone just forget about La Liga. Classical. Uh, you got uh, it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Real Madrid uh, against Celvigo, who obviously Celvigo just got the result against Barca, and Barca are playing Levante. Uh, and Italy, you've got Inter versus Fiorentina, Milan versus Crotone. I, I don't know how to say that one. And Napoli Racist. versus Verona. Good <laughs> racist. It's pronounced crouton and you put it in a salad. <laughs> Serena sacked Lisa Mihailovic yesterday. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, he he was uh, a free kick genius, if I remember correctly. He was. He's, I think he's still got the record. He shares it with Pirlo in Serie A. Yeah. You're rescuing me with stats there. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> 35, I think it is. That's a lot. I'm not going to... Able to Google that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that brings us to the end. Is there any other business anyone wants to bring up before we wrap up? I have a question. Oh, okay. Is it about? Yeah. Is it about Martin? It, it's oh, unfortunately not. Okay. Um, how are Andorra doing? Uh, I haven't. I haven't actually played uh, the Andorra one in a while. I've actually been playing uh, Southampton because I wanted to see what happened. I've, I've probably restarted like three or four times because it's just too difficult. Southampton uh, are more difficult than Andorra. That is telling. Yeah, that, that team's just a mess. <laughs> it's, it's horrendous. Like, Tadic doesn't play well. Bufal doesn't play well. It's just Gabbiadini. I had such high hopes of Gabbiadini when he signed from Napoli, and he's just not been... In fake great. life, not in real life. It, both. Oh, okay. <laughs> real life and, uh, you know, and fake life. I thought he'd be really good, but he's not. <laughs> well, I'm taking Leicester at the moment, so I suppose they're sort of on the same level. So I'll send you some names of players. Yeah, please do. I definitely need them. <laughs> um, would anybody like me to send them a link later on of a dog dragging a sledge up a hill and then going down on the sledge? Please. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I'll find it for you guys. I'll send it over. My poor dog has to go out a couple more times, and right now he is underneath my couch because 
he just doesn't want to have to handle it. It's really funny. <laughs> well, and that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, if you want to follow any of us on Twitter, Jesse, what's your handle? Jesse Loesch. Justin, what's yours? Uh, mine is Keepers Union with an underscore between those two words. And Chris, this is probably the first time you're actually going to promote your Twitter for in like ages. I don't do it very often. It's um, C. Etchingham 77. <laughs> cool. Uh, Man on the Post is the Twitter account. Man on the Post is also the Instagram Instagram account, right, Chris? Yep. Yeah, cool. And the website's Man on the Post as well. Um, and I think that's probably it, isn't it? Uh, is it? I know, I know I've got to do the tagline, but is there anything else that I need to promote before we Ryan, finish? Ryan, what, what's your Twitter account? What's my Twitter account? It's at yeah. Lee Ryan Goodman. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Any other promotion, Chris, before? Nope. Nope. Oh, uh, so, we did the oh. uh, Fighting Talk Man on the Post um, quiz over Christmas. Myself, Ross, uh, Colin, Greg, James, and Matt. That's uh, well worth a listen. Oh, yeah, no, everyone should go listen to that. Um, if you want to leave us a review on iTunes, it's very much appreciated. Uh, you can obviously subscribe from there. Jesse, you been to the Apple Store yet? Oh, no way. Not happening oh until all God. the tourists are gone. The tourists will leave, and then I will go. Surely there will always be tourists in New York. Not the amount that winter brings. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you've got a cheap Android model like myself, you can use something like Podcast Republic uh, to comment. And in that case, always keep... Remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>